another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. And this is an episode where we can hold hands, we can sing the Italian national anthem together, we can sing some Andrea Bocelli, because it doesn't matter if on this panel we have an Inter supporter, a Samp supporter, Napoli, Roma, and Lazio. We all unite on the Azzurri and the Italian national team. Got it done today, my friends. Opening up the Euro, opening up the group stage with a 3-0 victory against Turkey. And guys, I'm so thrilled. I wish my neighborhood was like Woodbridge in the Toronto area in Canada where Jerry is because I see these videos. And, and you would have thought these videos were taken somewhere in Italy with you know people honking and going crazy with the flags on their cars. It was freaking Canada. I, I wish I could have that in Miami, Florida. It was crazy. So that was awesome today. 3-0 against Turkey. We're going to break it down, uh, and we're going to get into whether our expectations for the Azzurri have changed after the performance today. Now, I do want to caution. Obviously, it's one game. Uh, a very nice win, though, against a team that, on paper, what was the Azzurri's toughest uh, test within Group A. So to get a 3-0 against that Turkish side was excellent. But I try not to overreact positive or negative to one game there's still so much work to do in this tournament and of course if you guys heard the episode that jerry and i did with a handful of other awesome special guests midweek before the tournament started uh we were all pretty much in agreement that you know quarterfinals is probably where this team ends up somewhere in that range maybe semifinals if you want to get super optimistic none of us predicted the azuri to win the euros so i'm I wondering what are you talking about Wait, oh, you, oh, that's right. I'm sorry, I Jerry. I predicted an Italy win. And I said Chiro Immobile was going to score. I said that he, he was going to have oh. a good tournament. I, I don't know how this guy gets shit on every freaking day, man. He is the most underrated player in football. I'm sorry, man. Not because I'm a Lazio fan. The way this guy plays and, and is so underappreciated. It, it is so bad, man. That's all I can say. So bad. Like, there's, there's no other words I can I can describe it. Well, if tonight was any indication, starting off with a goal and an assist is a good way to go. Let's let's introduce the panel. I'm Alex Dono. You, you heard from my co-host, the biggest Cheeto fan on planet Earth, Jerry Mancini. We welcome back to the program Vito Doria from Forza Italian Football, who does an awesome job covering Serie A, covering the national team, covering Samp. Vito, welcome back, sir. How are you? Yeah, feeling good, and uh, thanks for having me back on, Alex. Yeah, it's... Uh... A great feeling to be talking uh, about the Azzurri with you guys, especially on the back of a great victory. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it in greater depth with you guys. Yeah, we certainly will. And we have a couple of first-time guests on the show. Long overdue. Uh, you, you guys know that we love to connect with some of our favorite Calcio fans, people we interact with, uh, what, 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 whether, whether they blog, podcast, or just start a lot of shit on Twitter. We love to bring some great folks on. So one of our first-time guests, let's welcome in from San Diego, California, Dom BX, who, as you could tell by the jacket, does support Napoli, and for the city of Naples was a big showing because you had Napolitano, Ciro Immobile scoring. You had Lorenzo Insigne scoring a goal as well. So, Dom, you must be feeling good, sir. How are you? Doing good, brother. Doing good. Nice to meet you guys. Some I already know. Some I just met today. This is my, actually my first time on a podcast, so I'm, like, really excited about this. Um, about the match, man, I'm – I mean – I'm speechless. I, 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 I didn't think we were gonna we we're gonna just go out blazing like that. Especially, you know, my boy, my capitano came out, he delivered and you know, silenced a lot of the doubters. So I'm very happy about that and I'm very optimistic moving forward. I really am. Yeah, it's it's hard not to be, and and this Azzurri side, and and what 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 are we at now, uh, Vito? Is it twenty eight unbeaten now for Mancini's side? I, I it's been so many, I start to lose count. I think it's twenty eight, right? Yeah, twenty eight now. So yeah, it's an impressive record, and uh, hopefully that uh, streak continues on. Yeah, I hope so. Let's welcome in another first time guest, and we always love to find people who can talk Roma with us, just so I can see Jerry, you know, get upset over there and start to drop in some of the banter. Uh, <laughs> this is a man who's actually a South Floridian like myself. So I'm very happy to welcome in Sam Rubio, who uh, for those watching on YouTube, you can see he supports Roma. 
I thought Spinazzola had a very, very nice match today. Sam, how you doing, sir? Hey, guys. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Excited to be here. Alex, uh, you know, I've been following you for a long time. Since I know. Uh, Mid-2007, 2008, the Dan Levitar, the old-timers. Uh, <laughs> very cool. Very cool what you've done in South Florida with all that, right? I've been listening to you for a long time. You're a season pro. That's very cool. Oh, very, very you, nice man. meeting you, Vito, Don. Nice meeting you guys. Yeah, from South Florida. I'm excited. Think, look, think, things are looking up for the Azzurri. Very good. I haven't feel disconnected with the Azzurri in a long time, so it's exciting. This is exciting. Yeah, and, and so needed. I mean, I mean Jerry, we, we think about the hard times we've been through, man. I mean, you go back over the last, uh, what, 12 years or so, a couple of, couple of group stage exits in World Cups, didn't even qualify for the World Cup three years ago. And, you know, I, I'm going to repeat, Jerry, something that I said and we talked about in our last episode, that um, the Azzurri may be the team that have benefited the most from the per- tournament being postponed a year, right? Because obviously Euro 2020 is taking place in 2021 because of the pandemic. And had the tournament taken place as scheduled last summer, uh, I don't think the Italian national team had nearly as strong of a side, you know, a year ago as they have right now. So I, I feel like this team is more primed to make a run. But, you know, Jerry, let me, let me start with you. Your thoughts on what I just said and also your reaction to the match today? Because I, I saw the video you made in the immediate aftermath of Cheeto Immobile scoring. I thought you were going to pop a blood vessel or something. You were so excited. <laughs> Well, it's Immobile, yeah. I mean, if he scores 10 goals, I'm making 10 videos. I'm just saying right now. I have no shame. Absolutely no shame because I will back him up until the end. Um, you know, it was a good performance. Uh, I thought Turkey would have been a better team than what we saw today. Uh, I think when we play Switzerland and we play Wales, those two teams are going to probably be much better more difficult compared to Turkey. And Mancini said it perfect. It's always difficult for both sides to kind of get adjusted in the debut match. So there's a lot of like butterflies and you don't know what to expect and all that stuff. Right. Um, I don't look at past world cups and euros and what it's been like, because every manager has a different philosophy and a different approach of how they go with the World Cup in Euros, you got different players through different eras, transitions. So Mancini's taking an Italy side now where it's kind of a blend. You got a lot of young players who got an extra year that you said to kind of adapt. So guys like Barella, Locatelli, Berardi, they benefited from a year off. Um, Bastone, then you got... Um, the old timers, whereas Chiellini, Bonucci, still having some left in the tank, but they blend that veteran leadership, that experience that can help them as well. So you're not. The thing with Turkey is that they're the youngest team in the Euros. I heard from the the announcer said today, and I thought that was a very interesting take because when you're thinking about they're supposed to be the hardest team in the group, the hardest team that is the youngest team kind of doesn't make sense to me. So. I'm, I'm expecting a much different outcome versus Switzerland, say, on Wednesday. I think they'll be a little bit more difficult test compared to Turkey. Um, but overall, great great performance from, from the whole team. I thought Spinozola probably, uh, was probably the man of the match. And if it wasn't going to be him, it w- would have been Jorginho if, it, if, it, if, if, if he had to choose somebody else. Um, and lastly, with Immobile scoring, I think the most important factor is that he got the goal right away in his debut match. I think it was his first international goal at, at the, the top level in European competition. I was seeing on uh, Twitter, somebody was tweeting out, um, you know what, confidence, momentum. He doesn't have that that barrier in his mindset that he can't score for Italy in, in the top level. Sorry, in the top stage here, like, he did it right away, and I think that should build moving forward. You know, and actually, I thought uh, Cheeto's assist to Insigne to me was actually more impressive than the goal he scored. And and I'm of course I'm thrilled to see him score, and I thought he played very well. Uh, you know, he, the the goal that he scored was on on a rebound of a Spinazzola shot that forced to save, and that it was served up to him on a platter. I thought the assist, the way that he squared it to Insigne, though, was tremendous. To get that three nil goal, so that was a, a really really good sign. And, and Vito, something I want your take on 
Because, you know, a lot of times when, when Azzurri supporters have these debates and conversations about who should be starting, who should be sitting, uh, the right wing gets a lot of talk, right? Because obviously Chiesa had an excellent uh, Serie A campaign. Uh, Berardi is the guy who gets the nod to start, and I thought he played very well. I mean, it was his cross that forced the own goal for the opener. And so, you know, when you have this very hotly debated position, do you think Domenico Berardi has now done enough to prove he should be the guy that continues to start there? Because I, I think he has. I think so too. I was having some doubts at half time because I thought some of his passes and his shots weren't effective. So I was uh, one of those guys crying out for Chiesa to come on sometime in the second half. But uh, once he forced that own goal, it's it showed that, yeah, he deserved to stay on. And he was involved in the build-up for the other two goals as well. So I think uh, his second half was so much better than the first. And to be involved in the goals and all three, you know, not just the one, um, I think that's a big plus for him. And uh, I think for Berardi, be grateful him to sort of maintain that form, um, cement his spot in the team and keep going uh, as he's doing because uh, – he had a great season with Sassuolo, scored 17 goals, which is the best in his career. And to continue that form into the national team is uh, great for him. On the plus side for Mancini, though, I mean, the fact that Berardi had that great second half and uh, he can take Chiesa off the bench, I think that's uh, great in terms of backup options. At least he can uh, change things up. And then there's Bernardeschi who's terrible for Juventus, but when he puts on the Azzurri jumper, he's completely transformed and he's a much better player under Mancini than what he has been for his club. Yeah, I, I think that's very, very well put. Uh, Dom, you, your overall thoughts on the match today, uh, what what really impressed you? And is there anything, were, were you sweating a little bit in the first half when they couldn't break Turkey down? Because, you know, I thought that once Italy got the opening goal, which came uh, at the 53rd minute, was the Demiral own goal. The match really opened up from that point forward. What were your thoughts? Tell you the truth, the first half, I um, wasn't too impressed. I was optimistic. But when the second half started and they brought Di Lorenzo in, and not because he plays for Napoli, but when he came in, things started switching around. It started the, the game started opening up. And there was more space created, and that's when I was like, "Man, we're gonna we're gonna do something nice here." And uh, yeah, I mean, I got I gotta be honest. I thought Turkey was gonna give us a little bit more of a fight. Me too. I, I, you know, I wasn't expecting uh, I wasn't expecting a, a result like that. I mean, I, well, I, you know, the the Italian fan in me was hoping that that was gonna kind of be the score, but. I was, you know, I was, I was thinking they were gonna, it was gonna be a tighter game, and uh, I mean, I'm still, I'm still like, I'm still over here just celebrating, you know. I, I had to go to the beach and like, you know, just celebrate, you know what I mean, and have a cold one and just chill because I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking that we're gonna, we're gonna top our group and uh, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do good things, man. I really think it. it actually, I have a question because I've been seeing, I've been hearing. That if we come in second in our group, it benefits us more. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. That uh, that the matchup could be could be tougher on the bracket if we come in second. So maybe they, they might want to get a draw in one of these three games on purpose, like a right? biscotto. <laughs> yeah, get, get get one of those biscotti to try and keep things. Uh, Wait, you're, you're saying that we finish second place, we got a better outcome? Is that what you just saying? Yeah, based on the bracket. That makes yeah. no fucking sense, man. It's so stupid. I, and yeah, I, I don't so know. Stupid. I haven't really looked into Whatever. it, but yeah. No, I, I was listening on Nima's podcast with Carlo Garganeza. Apparently, they have to finish first, they were saying, because if they finish second, it would be even more difficult, they were saying. But I haven't looked at the bracket, so I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it as well. But what I heard was that it if they come in second – I think they would have to probably face Belgium probably in the first in the in the I first mean, knockout stage. That. <laughs> yeah, I was listening, but maybe Sam knows or Vito. I don't know. I don't look at the brackets, man. I just go to watch the game and that's it. I don't look at the. <laughs> sh I don't do scenario garbage, man. I can't be bothered. Whoever whoever comes Italy's way, we're gonna smack him anyway. So this shit. <laughs> well, and, and I gotta say, picking up on what Dom was saying. 
I was expecting a tighter uh, match as well. And and Jerry, Jerry knows I like to gamble. And uh, I, I made a little bit what I kind of thought was a homer bet. I mean, Italy, they were favored by one goal even. So if it had been, you know, just a one goal win, it would have been a push. If it had been a draw, I would have lost my money. And I thought, you know what? I'm a homer, a zuri. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take those odds, you know, minus one at, you know, minus 110. Uh, and and I kind of thought, oh, you know what, maybe I'll, I'll push or I'll lose my money here on a draw perhaps. And so, yeah, I was I was thrilled with the 3-0. I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting probably a one-goal game. Uh, Sam, what were your thoughts on the match, my friend? And, and how did you feel uh, in that second half when things really came together? First, uh, I agree with you guys. I expect a little bit more of Turkey. They came a little timid. Um, we were talking about Italy being uh, better in the second half, but even in the first half, Offensively, Turkey didn't do a lot. Um, I what I like the most about about the match is uh, Italy's idea. You now they came out with an initiative and on a game plan. They impl- they were able to implement it. They were very clinical in the first half, maybe, but in the second half they were able. Once they found once they found a, that uh, own goal from Demiral, I think things opened up. I expected a little bit of, of a reaction from Turkey. I was maybe you know let's see how Italy adjusts when it's being pushed pushed back a little bit and. Italy, I mean, Turkey never was never did that in the match. It was a confident win by Italy. I think in what I take the most out of it is like the Mancini had an the team had an idea. They were able to implement it and score three goals. So all positive. Yeah, and, and it's just uh, it's hard to believe that three years ago we were in one of the worst periods of my lifetime in Italian football under that loser Ventura and, and how far the Azzurri has come <laughs> in that, that you know, matter of of less than three even, even even from last year that we were talking about earlier in one year how much that much this team has improved yeah you're right i mean it's it's all so <clears throat> fluid possession based a lot of one touch and and really stretch opponents horizontally like it, it really is fun to watch it I'm, I'm looking at i'm looking at some of the stats from the match guys i mean this is this is sheer dominance when you talk about 24 shot attempts to three Eight shots on target to zero. Turkey really didn't test Donnarumma. I mean, a couple of times he had to, like, you know, dart uh, off his line to to catch a couple of crosses. But as far as shots on target, he, he didn't have any work in net to do whatsoever. Turkey didn't test him even one time. Uh, the Azzurri had 61% of the possession in this game. As a guy who's been watching a lot of Conte ball for the last couple of years, I don't even know what to do with 61% possession. I don't even know how to break that down. Um, and, and yeah, listen, I thought that probably, like Jerry said, I agree. My, my vote for man of the match would have been uh, Spinazzola. A lot of people gave it to Immobile just based on the stat line of having, you know, the goal and the assist. But again, like I, to me, uh, that, that's not always how I measure a performance, right? It, it's overall control over a game versus just putting up a couple of stats. So how do you feel about uh, about that, Vito? Who would you say was your man of the match today, and, and who else stood out to you? Uh, my man of the match was Insignia because I thought he played well throughout the whole game. Yeah. Uh, he was combining very well with Spinazzola, and especially in the first 15, 20 minutes, Italy were just going down the left flank. They weren't going down central channels. They weren't using the right a lot. It was mostly the left, and... Insigne, along with uh, Spinazzola, was uh, making his presence felt. Then, and of course, things clicked a bit better in the second half for him as well as the rest of the team. And then for him to score the sealer, I think, was much deserved. It was a textbook uh, Insigne goal, uh, one of his trademarks. So I was happy that he was the one that got the third goal. And I think that really capped up the, his performance. Uh, after that, Berardi, like I said, um, he played well. Um, bad first half, but second half, I thought he really turned it around. So that's probably why he wasn't best on the ground for me, for the fact that uh, he wasn't so good in the first half, but the second half more than made up for it. And then afterwards, yeah, Spinazzola played a very good game. Um, Locatelli, I was impressed with his industry and distribution in midfield. And... Um, I thought Di Lorenzo coming on in the second half made a difference because Florenzi, I think his positional play wasn't the best, but Di Lorenzo probably is better defensively as well as being a great attacking outlet from right back. So I think in terms of the team balance, Di Lorenzo should be Italy's right back for the remainder of the tournament. 
I, I, I wouldn't argue with that whatsoever. And, and I know, I know, I Dom, you agree. <laughs> uh, who did you think? Who, who was your man of the match, and who else stood out to you? So, my man of the match is Jorginho. I think he dominated his role. His stats, I was looking at his stats insane. Um, like you were talking about, like overall performance and control of the game. I think he uh, definitely was a was a very important piece when it came to that. Um, I think uh, Di Lorenzo was the game changer, I would say, because once he came in, everything kind of like started shifting towards like, all right, we're going to dominate this match now. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Well, what do you think, Sam? Sam, who was your man of the match and who else stood out to you? Man of the match, uh, I'm going to go, not because I'm a Robo fan, but I'm going to go with Spinatola. He was decisive <laughs> in that left like He went all the way, good crossing. You know, he has a lot of stick by Robo fans saying, like, listen, he can dribble, he can get to the end of the line. His final pass, his final cross, you know? Maybe that's what he never took to, made it to the next level, right? He was very good today, my man of the match. And I agree with Dom. I mean, Jorginho, boss, world class, that little feet, timing, technique, passing. I mean, the guy's stuck. These two are my favorite players today. I just wanted to say something real quick. I don't know why people don't appreciate him, especially in England. I, I don't Jorginho? know. I don't, because he's not uh, fast you enough. have to be blind. Exactly. Lack of speed, yeah. maybe. He, he, he doesn't, he doesn't put up enough stat because, because people, because a lot of people will watch and they'll just check the who scored ratings. They'll see how many goals and assists. They don't really watch matches. If a guy's not running down the flanks at 100 miles an hour, they don't notice a player. It's a lot of lazy fans who don't even know what to look for. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. Oh, Sam, what do you think, Gary? Oh, go, go ahead. Real quick, Sam, my little brother. He's a Roma fan, so we get into a lot of arguments, nice. man. Nice. A lot of I became a Roma fan because. Go ahead. Huh? I, I became a Roma to... fan because a Napoli fan. But go ahead, go ahead. Oh, really? Really? We went, up, we went up to Boston to see them train. This was back in, I think, yeah, 2016 when when we had when Spalletti was the coach, and we I, we met Totti, we met the Ro, uh, the Rossi man. It was oh, it was amazing, bro. I mean, yeah. So. You know, I, I, uh, me and my brother, we get into a lot of arguments. But yeah, yeah, right, right. Talk about that offline. I got to ask Dom, like, what's it like to meet a guy like Totti? Like, does he just have an aura? Because I've had the privilege of... I met him, too. You you did? Well, so both because I've had the privilege of, and I'm and not, not even like I was a huge fan of his particularly, but I've, you know, I've met David Beckham before, and even that is like, oh, my God, this is one of the most famous people on the planet. This guy's a footballing god. It's crazy. Uh, you know, I, I did briefly years ago meet Javier Zanetti, who's obviously a personal hero of mine, and that was crazy. And and I've got a friend. I don't even know if I should be saying this, but screw it. I'll say it. Uh, a personal friend of mine who's a real estate agent has been doing some work for Zanetti, and he, like, calls my friend up sometimes out of the blue to talk about properties. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm so jealous of this dude. He just talks on the phone randomly with Javier Zanetti. But, Sam, you mentioned you've met Totti as well. What was that like for you, especially for you as a Roma fan? Right. It was pretty unbelievable. It was, uh, what, uh, five, five, six years ago, Roma came to Orlando, played against Orlando City. Um, so I met him twice. And the first one was very quick. He, they were walking down to the, to the in the halftime. They were walking down to the dressing room. Totti was literally walking down by himself, right? The little little fence of, between him and I, probably ten feet. I, I'm a thirty year old. I was thirty two back then. I was shedding my pants, right? <laughs> so he was walking by. He's looking down. I I just look. I I scream. He just came out. I was like, "Diamo Capitano!" He literally turned around. He's looking down, like looking at the sidewalk. He looked around, looked at me, winked, and went about his day. Wow. That was pretty awesome. The next day I came because I didn't get a I, I didn't get a selfie with him. I came back the next day for the training and I had a selfie and a bunch oh, of other nice. players, right? Which was very cool. Nice. Yeah. I I didn't get to talk too much. He was very quick, but he was very nice. Yeah. That little wink at me that was life changing. Let's put it that way. Getting the selfie is important. Yeah. <laughs> I never I never got the selfie with Zanetti. I did get a selfie once with Lothar Mateus, which was another huge thrill for me. But that, that was the, the that was the one that I got the selfie with. Uh, Jerry, uh, I want to get uh, your thoughts again on who stood out to you in this match today. I think you mentioned as well. I thought you said Spinazzola for your man of the match, but who who else really stood out to you in this one? Um, yeah. <sighs> 
I got flacked because I'm a Lazio fan and I, and I tweeted out that things should be it, Spinozola, and I don't I don't see an issue. Like it's so stupid, but like he was good today. Like he was effective on the left side. I do agree that Di Lorenzo is another sh- good shout out. The only problem is I w- he probably would have been maybe the plant man in the match if he played for 90 minutes and not right. just 45. Yeah. I think that may have caused an effect of why he maybe didn't get a shout. I thought I agree with Dom. He in the first minute we had a, a quality chance and we finally broke down their defense. I I like um Florenzi, but what he offers, I don't think will will really get him enough starts with this team. I think that is going to be his only start maybe going forward because he doesn't have that attack that De Lorenzo does where he's able to go down the flank and, and with energy and speed and, and get around players and get behind the defense and get crosses into the box. Florenzi is more of a, I don't know how you would say more, stay back, stay home kind of defense where he doesn't attack as quick as he He doesn't open up those spaces that I kind of see. He's just too stagnated for me. Um, man, I, I, I thought Domenico Berardi was man of the match for me if I had to choose somebody. That's just me, though, personally, because he was effective for 90 minutes. That's what I thought, or for 80 minutes. Even when we weren't generating chances in the first half, Everything was coming through him. I felt he made. I, I remember he made one key pass and, and he set up Insigne. Shot went just wide of the net. Had no like, no 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 turn on it. Like it was just just straight. Um, he made good runs. He was very energetic. He was trying to create things when when things weren't there. Like he was getting down the flank. Those are things I look at where. Where when players when 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 you're it's hard to break down a low block and I think that's another problem was that it's not that Italy wasn't good enough in the first half and they weren't creating chances we weren't kind of being more versatile trying to change it up We're, with Turkey playing such a low block and, and not giving you any space and suffocating you what does that do now it forces players to, to take shots in in areas that they don't really take. Insigne forcing shots out, out wide. Uh, Immobile, I think, hit the wall like twice. Um, Berardi, I think, took a, a poor shot from out from outside of the box and went over the net. Um, Kalini was our best chance in the first half when he got mm. the header. That was yeah, our best chance right. because Turkey had the best chance, if anything, in the first half when on the counterattack when yeah. they re- they really screwed up at the end. And that was because yeah. we all we played very high and we exposed ourselves for the first time in the back end there. They, they were playing Catanaccio. Like, I, I thought watching Turkey, yes. I was watching very. Like an Italian team from the 70s or something. Well, when you're playing that kind of style and you're going to sit back for 90 minutes, what happens is they made three mental mistakes and you, you expose yourself. The second goal was a very bad mental mistake. I think it was the second or third goal. It was just a poor giveaway by the goalkeeper. I think it was the second goal, which led – no, no, third goal, sorry, which uh, which led to Insigne's goal where it, it was yeah. just a poor pass from, from the back and just dumb mistakes personally. Um, Jorginho, you want to know why he gets shit on because – and I'm a Chelsea fan, okay? Chelsea, and I'm not a hardcore Chelsea fan, but the problem with Chelsea fans, they're so reactionary. It is so bad. Like, if you have two bad games, they want you out. That's it. Like, it, it, it's something really dumb. And it's not just Jorginho. I can say a handful of players get shit on so much. Um, well, and, and you just, know why they do that bad. in Chelsea, it's so Jerry? Bad. Because, so bad. because th- those fans have now become so spoiled by all the money that they spend in the transfer market. If somebody has two bad games, they're like, all right, we're just going to replace that dude with somebody else for $100 yeah. million. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's how I see it today. No, none of the defense to me, other than Chiellini's marvelous sliding tackle at the end where he got his pump fist. I'm still on the fence of our defense because it wasn't tested enough today to say that we do have a strong back line. So the verdict is still out about the back line. We don't know what we have yet because 
there was never chances to really create and to see what Chiellini had to do or Bonucci had to do or Di Lorenzo slash um, Florenzi and, and Spinozola. Like there, there was never a test to them. So we don't know. But we do know is that we have a good midfield and a good and a good front line. That's what we know. One, one, one thing I want to say, Cellini made an awesome save towards the end. That was like, did you guys remember that towards the end? Yeah, the last minute. Yeah, I mean that was that could easily been been a goal. And then I think our midfield is the best damn midfield in this tournament. I, I mean, agree. I don't think that there's a midfield that that I don't even screw France. I we have a better midfield than, than France. That's why we took those chances in the beginning because we could. Our midfield is is it's dominant. It's dominant. It's gonna dominate this tournament. It's that back line that I'm concerned about. And our front attack, if your boy, Jerry, shows up every game, we're gonna go far, brother. We're gonna go far. <laughs> I'm gonna I, go far, I'm telling you. Well, and hold on, guys, because I, I want to get into that. Okay. I want to go around the table on this. And again, like I, I try not to overreact to one game, but I think there's so many positives you can take out of this. Okay. And like, and obviously I, I know, I know Jerry, cause, cause he and I, you know, we, we podcasted a couple days ago and, and he did predict an Azzurri Euro 2020 victory. So, so Jerry was already drinking the Kool-Aid. Okay. I, I predicted probably a quarterfinal exit. Um, so I want to ask everybody, uh, you know, and you guys can tell me what your pre-tournament prediction was and whether or not the victory over Turkey 3-0 changed your outlook for the Azzurri. Because I'll, I'll tell you something that I feel really good about coming out of this match because I, I thought Turkey would be would be tough to score against. And it's crazy that Italy had never scored, you know, more than uh, two goals in this tournament before. Um, and I what I what impressed me most was seeing Chiro get the campaign started because we know all the cliches about him in the Azzurri shirt and, and the troubles. So to see him get a goal and an assist today, it made me feel really good about that number nine spot because coming into the tournament, uh, I knew that Italy had a good situation with the wingers. Uh, I knew that they had a great situation with the midfield, uh, even though, hey, if you're starting center backs are going to be a couple of 70-year-olds, uh, I, I still feel pretty good about you know, the Bonucci-Chiellini partnership, and there is some depth there. I'd like to see my guy Bastoni get a little bit of burn uh, as well moving forward. Uh, and obviously goalkeeping I feel good about, and, you know, fullbacks uh, can be a little bit hit or miss, but I felt pretty good today. Um, so, yeah, honestly, um, I'm, I'm not going to say that, that today's victory dramatically changed my outlook for the tournament, but if Immobile can stay hot, as Dom mentioned, if today was a sign of things to come, then I might even consider changing my quarterfinal prediction to a semifinal prediction. I'm not ready to say the Azzurri win the Euro. I'm not quite there yet. Maybe if they can hang up a handful of goals in their next couple of games and dominate the group stage, I will say Azzurri to win Euro 2020. But no, as of today, I'm going to kind of cautiously, optimistically change my prediction to say they can get into the final four. They can get into the semifinal because I, I think Cheeto really showed me something today and everyone else kind of reinforced my already very high expectations. So what do you think, Vito? What was your pre-tournament expectation? And did this victory change anything for you? I expect Italy to make at least the quarterfinals. I think with the luck of the draw, maybe a semifinals appearance, but that's the key. It really depends on who Italy do face in those knockout games. Uh, based on this game, um, yeah, I'd definitely say quarterfinals. And, uh, yeah, the semifinals is possible, but I'm just going to keep it on the low. Just uh, uh, say the final eight for now because the main thing is this team still lacks experience. I think this is where the pandemic has played into the Azzurri's advantage. The players get an extra year of experience, and that might be vital in the later stages. But uh, despite the fragility Bonucci and Chiellini might have at the back, the Juve who are the two most experienced players in that team. In other parts, the players do not have as much international experience or big to tournament experience, big finals experience. So I think um, their experience will be fine. And um, I think in the other departments, it's just the qualities and the general abilities of the players they have. Um, so even though 
the likes of Insignia, Berardi and all that haven't had a standout tournament so far in their careers. Uh, Euro 2020 might be the chance where they say that this is our stage, we're going to come good. And uh, then the rest of the world will really see uh, what they're truly made of. Amen to that. And I like this comment from David. Turkey took four points off France in qualifiers. If this 3-0 doesn't boost Italy, I don't know what does. And he also reminded me that you know, I'm talking about not wanting to overreact to one game. He did remind me of the 28-match unbeaten streak, so it's not really just one game. But I heard a lot of chirping before this match today. Oh, what tough opponents have the Azzurri really faced during this run? You know, they, they've had a couple of draws that weren't so impressive. They're beating up on bad teams. Oh, they can't face San Marino every single week. What's going to happen against Turkey? So they, they passed this test with flying colors. But, yeah, David is right. It's not just one game. We're watching a long unbeaten streak here. What do you think, Dom? What was your preseason or, sorry, pre-tournament expectation? And did what happened 3-0 against Turkey change that? I had – I had – I had Italy going to the quarterfinals before this game. Uh, I didn't want to make any predictions. I didn't tweet it or anything like that. But now after this game, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna say we're going to the finals. Oh, I like it. <laughs> by by it. the way, shout out, shout out to uh, my my buddy Kai uh, at Samurai Radio for popping in. Uh, he he's basically video bombing us here because. Uh, Kai is a big uh, Deutschland fan, so he's uh, he, he's he's dropping the German flag in there. I know he's bullish, and God, I hope I hope for for the sake of me and Kai that Italy and Germany square off at some point in this tournament because that would be fine. We got to watch that match together, Kai. If that does happen, mark it on your calendar. We are going to go head to head right there. Sorry to interrupt you, Dom. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> it's it's all good, man. Yeah, I'm, it's finals, man. Finals. Why not? Why not? I mean, if we could keep. If we can keep our performance up and and Imovic shows up and that front that front line continues to just be fluid and we stick to a game plan and that midfield I'm telling you that midfield is gonna they just started you know we're gonna see a lot more coming from them uh, the only thing that I'm concerned about is the back line I mean we got we got some old guys back there and. Uh, I'm, that that's pretty much it. But I'm saying, you know, I'm I'm gonna go out there. I'm an optimistic guy. That you know, I'm I'm that guy that you know sees the the cup half full. So I'm just gonna say finals, man. Finals. Yeah, it, it's nice I, being able. It's nice being able to watch an Italian side that might even be able to score goals freely. Because for for most of my life, you're like, you know, you're talking about oh, we get a grind out of one nil, a two to one. So if we can get more three nils in this tournament, I'm going to be a happy camper. What do you think, Sam? What was your expectation pre-tournament, and has that changed? Where are you at now? What's your temperature? So I talked about, we had this topic in my Spanish pod, uh, Planeta Roma. We had a little section with the Azzurri, right? Uh, my prediction was semifinals. I was very bullish about um, this Azzurri team, you know, uh, a lot of nice mix of young with experience. Again, maybe the backline a little bit, but like Don says, that midfield, man. That midfield is the strongest in the tournament. It has so much potential, you know. But uh, uh, who else do you got? The Jorginho, uh, Locatelli, Cristante came back. And, uh, and, and Verratti's going to be healthy at some Verratti's point. is going to be healthy soon. Um, nice mix, very dynamic, quick feet, um, with good vision, most of those midfielders, like with a nice long passing range. I think I had semi finals from the beginning. I'm not ready to say finals just yet because I'm not going to be. Uh, like a lot of people say, not prisoner at the moment, but I mean, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Uh, I think I'm going to stick around with semifinals, and after that, anything can happen, right? I'm, a match with the Germans and the semifinals will be nice. Those Italy, Germans, I'm always bullish against against the Germans, too. <laughs> yeah, sure. history about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Jerry, th this might be a wasted question on you because you had Italy winning the tournament before this game today. So does this maybe change your expectation for how many goals Cheeto can score? Because I think before the tournament started, you were thinking 9 or 10 from Immobile. And if he does score 10, it would be a record, as Vito pointed out to us. So I don't know. Are you thinking maybe 12, 13 goals from Cheeto in this tournament and maybe uh, maybe clean sheets for the entire road to the finals for the Azzurri? Well, I think that they'll finish first in the group. After that, anything's possible, yeah. really. 
Yeah. Like that's I'm gonna stick with Italy. I think they really want to kind of redeem themselves after what they did in 2018 in the World Cup. They got this like it's true what David said. This is like a rehabilitation. Like this is what they needed. They needed a fresh start, clean slate, just a shake up from management, uh, personnel, the players, and we've seen a, a, a brand new Italy squad where they're just fundamental in all areas. So aside from the defense, I said I'm still on the fence. I want to see more when it gets attacked more and see what they can do. But it shouldn't be an issue their back line. I, I, other than France, um, I think I think Italy can go the whole way. I just don't see why not. De Bruyne is not healthy for Belgium. Um, he's not playing tomorrow. That's a big loss for them if he if he doesn't play at all this tournament. That was a very bad injury he got in the finals of the Champions League, and they probably haven't disclosed the full the full amount. Like what what can when he'll be back. Um, for for me, he, Immobile is the guy. Like I, I don't I don't think Bellotti is gonna have a lot of say in this in this four three three. Believe it or not, and he's more suited to this formation. I just think that Cheeto is so underrated that he even when he doesn't score, I thought that he was just as effective without the ball throughout the whole game. His passing, his passing is phenomenal. Like he puts balls into areas that people will never expect. I, I think that he, he he's meant, he's very smart. He reads the game very well. And he's a very reactive player where he knows where he has to be. He knows where, where the plays are being created. Like, And I think the best thing about Immobile, I thought today, was not what he did offensively, but more defensively. And I love the way he back checks and always runs to, to support the defense. He he never lags up front and and makes us he completes us as, as 11 men in the back end. He always runs back and commits to cutting off a pass, forcing passes. And I think those are the little things that people kind of undermine and don't look at as to what Immobile brings to the squad. And you watch Ronaldo play, yeah, okay, fine. He can score all the goals he wants. But when it comes to coming back like Immobile does, he's not even near the player that he is. I'm sorry, man. Like those are the quality and traits that that make your team better. Um, yeah, everybody can always rip on. Oh, Immobile doesn't score. Immobile doesn't score, but he makes his team better in other ways. And I think a lot of people forget that 100%. quite too often. That's uh, really well said. I, I got a I got I got a, a question for each of our guests. Uh, it, now now first of all. I've got to ask our guy Vito, who uh, you know, for 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 those who are, are watching us on YouTube, you get to see his glorious shirt, and I'll also have him explain it to the audio only audience because you have a throwback on, sir. And as soon as I saw what you were wearing, it reminded me of. Now I, I wasn't even born when the World Cup of 1982 took place, but I did grow up watching back the VHS tapes because my father had recorded uh, basically every match that the Azzurri played in that World Cup onto VHS tapes. And, you know, in 1992, when I was uh, eight years old, I, that, that was like one of my introductions to Calcio was watching back, you know, some of those games and, and watching the heroics of a certain uh, Italian goal scorer. And so, Vito, let, let the people know, video and audio, what you're wearing today, because I, I freaking love it. Uh, thanks. Well, this is a replica jersey of the 1982 World Cup that Italy wore. And uh, uh, on the back of it, I do have a number of uh, Paolo Rossi, who was the World Cup hero of that tournament, scored six goals, including a hat-trick against a highly fancied Brazil team in that tournament. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, he passed away in December last year, uh, like uh, Diego Maradona from Argentina, a World Cup hero of the 1980s, a Serie A star. So, yeah, it was a shame that he passed away. But uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Italian history, especially of uh, culture. So I like to pay homage to the old heroes. And like you, Alex, um, I was eight years old in 1996, and my father had videotapes of the that game against Brazil, and he sat me down to watch that game. And he also 
had a tape of the final against West Germany. Yes, so same, same exact thing. Uh, those same two yeah. matches, Brazil and mm. West Germany. Those are the ones I watched as well. Yeah. So it's you know um, you know the parents doesn't matter if you're in Italy or you're in the diaspora. It's like that love for that '82 team, that respect. Um, you just want to pass that legacy on to the new generations and teach them. You know, this is part of our heritage. This is our football, and this is what made us tick. So uh, you also see posters in either garages, houses, cafes. That '82 team is still well remembered, even though we won the World Cup in 2006. The memories of '82 live on, and. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic show, as I said, and uh, yeah, it was a wonderful team. And even though I wasn't born during that time, just to watch the footage, see Rossi and all the other players like Bruno Conti, uh, Gaetano Scherer, Claudio Gentile. Talk about defenders. So many other we're talking about defenders and Gentile, yeah. Scherer, right? Look at yeah. those early 80s defenders. Yeah, uh, Marco Tardelli. Uh, so many players there. And even in hindsight, the bench, some of the players that became uh, great players afterwards, like Franco Baresi, Daniele Massaro, Pietro Vercovod, uh, they barely got any game time. So yeah, it speaks volumes of that squad, you know, just uh, an incredible team to um, remember for those who lived through it. But uh, even for the future generations like you and me, Alex, uh, just to be inspired by and, you know, just to tell future fans about i mean it's really the, that 82 team was an example to follow yeah and i've got to start investing in some replica jerseys because i i would totally rep some of these players from previous generations because like i, I have some i have some old it doesn't do me any good now but you know so, some of the uh the ages i lived through like when when i was uh when i was you know nine years old in the summer of 1994 of course i had a bajo jersey uh, but that was in, you know, whatever whatever size my shirt was at nine years old. It's it's barely it wouldn't fit over one of my arms now at this point at, at 36 years old. So I've got to get some of those replicas because I, I would totally rep uh, Rossi from 82. Uh, you know, I, I, w- I would rep the, ni- the Italian 90 team now totally. And, and Sam, I, I want to get a story from you as well, sir, because you'd mentioned you know, you becoming a Roma supporter, that had something to do with a Napoli fan. Explain what happened there. How, how did you come to support Roma? This is the um, 1993, maybe. My cousin, my aunt, Mary, an Italian guy, my cousin and I would, I would travel to Napoli every summer. He would invite me over. First summer over there, he takes me to San Paolo, painted my face like blue. You know, you're a Napolitano, I'm nine years old, I didn't really know what's going on. Just to mess around with just to mess around with my cousin. I was like, Who's the red team over there you got to play? We're playing Roma, <laughs> Well, I'm gonna like Roma. You know, I went back I went back home and you know, T V internet wasn't the same, but I would wait for the Sunday night match or, or like sports news with all the goals from Italy and I would wait for Roma, Roma, Roma and then I develop I get you know, I follow the story with Toti and I fell in love with him and I kind of like grew up with him and throughout his career, right? Me and him have a special relationship. He doesn't know me outside of that wink, but him and I have a relationship because I watched his whole career. Like we grew up together. That's awesome. That's really cool. Well, what about you, Dom? How did you become a Napoli supporter? Man, so I watched the, you know, the famous World Cup where we dominated, you know, 2006. Oh, yeah. uh, that's why I really picked up kind of like I, I would watch soccer every now and then, but I was I was more attracted to, you know, the American sports, you know, basketball, baseball, all that. But I saw that run that that Italy made and that with that squad, I was like, man, this is a, this is beautiful, you know, and I fell in love with the first play I fell in love with was Toti. I mean, the guy has a touch on that ball that, you know, it's amazing. He still does. But I was like, yo, you know. I, I got to go back to my roots. You know, I asked my grandmother, hey, you know, where, where, uh, where's our roots from in Italy? Because I wasn't really in touch with it at the time. And, you know, she explained to me Naples. And I was like, Naples? Does Naples have a football club? Yep, that's my club. So that I, they picked me. I, I didn't pick them. They picked me. And then ever since then, I was locked in, man. I was, I was, I was locked down. We went through some bad times in, 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 you know, during that era. But I'm so glad now that, you know, that uh we're back in it where you know napoli's doing really good really big things and 
I'm just waiting for Scudetto, man. I'm just waiting for that for that Scudetto come through. But uh, I have a lot of uh, respect for Roma because of my, you know, my brother, big Roma fan. So I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't banter on Roma. I don't, I don't talk, I don't talk trash on Roma because got a lot of respect, you know, got a lot of respect for for for, for that club. Uh, I like Lazio too, Jerry. You know, don't 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 give me the the, the line, bro. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, especially with Sadi there now, I'm sure. I'm sure that you 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 don't mind seeing that Dom being. Sadi uh, Mourinho is gonna be fun. Yeah. Dude, oh that, yeah. That's gonna be forward epic. to that, bro. I am looking forward to that. I can't wait for the derby. I can't wait for you guys' derby to 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 commence. That's gonna be that's gonna yeah. be an eye opener. I'm telling you, it's gonna be nice. This whole the next season. I'm 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 so excited about it because I can't even predict top four right now. I mean, Inter is right now. You guys are. We don't even know what's gonna go on with you guys with the transfer season. Who's yeah. leaving? Who's staying? It's hard. It's uh, hard. Yeah. Milan just lost. You know their, their their number one goalkeeper. I mean, what's Roma gonna do? You know, there's so many things going on. Obviously, it's gonna probably be the same four, but I don't know where they're gonna be landing on that table. You know what I mean? So, I'm really excited about the season. Really excited. And, and I, I watch, think Napoli, I think, could be in. in I really watch out for Lucchese Paletti's Napoli. That's yeah. one team I watch out for. Really talented team, and like, uh, especially if you guys can keep all men healthy, then. Uh, the sky's the limit because you look at what he did when he was on the pitch. Yeah, it was he, he missed so much time, but when he was on the pitch healthy, the guy was absolutely deadly. And and yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, listen, I, I think Serie is getting more competitive. Uh, obviously, seeing you know the run that Allegri had at Juventus before he left, and now knowing he's back there certainly makes me a little bit nervous because even though you know the the squad uh, on paper may not be as talented as some of the teams he had up until a few years ago, uh, I, I think just having Allegri there is worth several points compared to what Pirlo was able exactly. to offer. So uh, I think you, I think Juve could be back. I, I think that uh, you know despite losing. Dollaruma, I think Milan are, are you know, they, they've got a good project and they're going to improve at least a little bit. I think Lazio are improving. Uh, you know, Roma, I definitely think Roma need uh, need more reinforcements, but they certainly got a manager who's going to help clean up uh, the, the goals conceded department. They're, they're not going to be, you know, shipping all these goals under under Mourinho the way that they were before. So he's going to make that team a lot more, uh, just a, a, a lot tougher to score on. So, yeah, I, I think Serie A is getting a lot better. And, and Jerry, you know, when Dom mentioned something about, you know, not bantering Roma, uh, I thought of you. Now, you had to put some tweets on ice today, right? Because uh, you, you're you're trying to be civil during this Euro run because every day it's it's you with middle fingers and, and Mr. Miyagi – Helping out the bonsai tree, like you've taken it easy on Roma today. I noticed. I had to. It's karma, man. It's karma. In Italy plays. You have to have positive vibes when Italy plays. It's no. It makes no sense to banter any teams when Italy plays. It's just negative vibes. I'm telling you, man. It's superstition. I know, but. He paid off for you. It paid off. Chiro had the, you, arguably the best goal of his, the most important goal of his career. I, I'm telling you, these players feel positive vibes. You, you're telling me they don't know what's going on. They see Twitter. They see Instagram. They, they're human, just like us. They see all the negative messages that come across, vice versa, all the positive messages. Like It, it gets to some of these players. and. I, I I just think that if we're if we're all cheering for Italy, there's no need the day of to banter any teams. And that's just me though. I know that everyone everyone has the the freedom of speech, and you do what you what you want to do on your timeline and on your on your social media. But I I just think that when everyone is cheering for Italy, and you see someone say Roma Merida or Napoli Merida or something, it's like wait a second. But today's Italy. Today's not chirp teams. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it brings people together. Like, I, yeah, I have, uh, that's just me, though. Yeah, no, the, 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 there's a guy I correspond with a lot who, who listens to all my shows, uh, Brooklyn Rob. He goes by, and he is he's a gigantic Juventino. So, obviously, he and I clash like during the entire Serie A season. We're talking all this shit to each other. He's bantering me, I'm bantering him. And then once the Euros start, or you know, when the World Cup starts next year in Qatar, we, we put on these blue. 
Azuri shirts and we unite, we hold hands and we ride off into the sunset together on translucent steeds and we just uh, we go into battle. So, no, it's it's a beautiful thing. Uh, before we close it up, guys, and a huge thanks to everyone, I want to give all of you guys a chance to shout out any projects you have, any social media you want to plug. We'll start with our good friend Vito, who does so many different things, man. So l- let us know what you're up to and where people can find you. All right. So everybody can find me on Twitter with the handle Vito C. Doria. Um, my articles are on the Forza Italian website as well as Breaking the Lines. And I also take this opportunity to be a bit more specific with Breaking the Lines because the website's released a special magazine for the European Championship. Uh, previewing all 24 teams, their player profiles, and some good historical stuff too. So um, yeah, go to the website and uh, purchase a copy. You won't regret it. I'm going to check that out tonight. That's really nice. good. Now, and, and and Dom, you know, you mentioned that this is your first time ever doing a podcast. And I will say, uh, and I'm sure Jerry would agree, it's an honor that you, know, you, that you did it on our pod, that you made your debut. And I thought you did an excellent job, sir. Let people know where they can find you. Thanks, brother. Uh, you can find me at uh, Don Apuzo VX here on Twitter. Man, I'm just here for the vibes, you know. I like following you guys and interacting with people, man. And you know, it's just it's just all about the vibes with me, man. I met a lot of good people here that I'd probably go to the bar and have a beer with, to tell you the truth. So, um, once again, thank you for having me on board, brother. Hope we do this again. And uh, next time we do it, I hope because uh, we got another W. You know what I mean? So yeah, dude. And I'll, Dumb, yeah. Dumb in San Diego, San Diego. Yeah, brother. San Diego people yeah. are so chill. I want to hang out yeah. in San Diego. Yeah, <laughs> man. Everybody, everything's easy, bro. You know, everybody's going to the dispensaries. It's chilling. <laughs> dude, and, and I gotta say, like, we got people we connect with on this pod from all over the world, and uh, and and w- once all this COVID stuff is behind us, and we have no more travel restrictions. I would love nothing more than someday, whether it's a year or five years from now, to get like 30 people we've done these pods with, like together in a bar somewhere and have like a big Hell meetup, yeah. right? I mean, whether it be awesome. Vito coming in from Australia, you know, we, we yeah. got a couple of good friends from Australia, Anthony Privatera as well. We have uh, plenty of friends in Europe, Canada, of course. I mean, Poor Jerry. I don't. I mean, I think. I think Jerry may be allowed into the states. I don't know if Canada would let him back in, though, if he tried. To go. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll, have Jerry, we'll, we'll have Jerry walk into the bar with the middle finger, just Jerry just walking up. <laughs> oh man, so good. Hey, oh, man. Sam, what about you? I, I I know you. I know you do some projects in Spanish as well, and uh, and I'm happy to connect with you, man. And I hope we can connect in person someday soon because you, you're not too far from me. We're both South Floridians, so it's all in the family. Let people know where they can find you. Uh, my Spanish side is planetaroma.net. We cover all Roma news. Uh, you can find me on my podcast there, also Planeta Roma podcast, Planeta underscore Roma on Twitter. Uh, also planetaroma.net and i'm also the uh, producer of another english podcast on roma la magica nice. i'm not the host i think uh, uh jerry knows the host scott monroe mm. um so yeah but i produce it for him and we get guests and we talk all about roma our last ep- our very last episode was on the women's team for the first time ever that we gave some love to the women's team they just won the women's copa italia so we made a special episode for them so it's very cool nice Nice. Love it. And, and how about this? Uh, D- David invited us all to London, dude. I would not mind that. And uh, mm-hmm. and I, I haven't uh, I haven't left the country now in in a few years. Yeah, and I actually I, I was oh, yeah. planning on I was planning on tentatively last summer going to Italy, and for obvious reasons that didn't happen. So I I am jonesing to to go across the pond. So yeah, if we if we could ever do a meetup in London, that would be a lot of fun. What about you, Jerry? Uh, what are you writing this week? Are, are you uh, are you writing Azzurri? You writing Lazio? I know you're still celebrating Sadi's arrival. So what do you have in the works? I literally just submitted released a piece two minutes ago. Italy will need Chido and Mobile to be at his best if they are to make a deep run in Euros. Love it. So I've been writing some stuff for the Euros, which is pretty kind of different. Uh, I wrote a piece on. Simone Inzaghi this past week and why it was time to end. I did an interview with Joseph Fischetti on Mauricio Sarri for the Laziale as well, an in-depth uh, background about Sarri and what Lazio fans can expect. Um, and the last piece I wrote I was uh, one on Strakosha and 
what his future can look like with Lazio now that Simone Inzaghi is gone. Hmm. So that's about it. No, sorry, I, I don't write about Roma. <laughs> <laughs> I did that once actually, like two years ago, and I got chewed out for it. I wrote one piece for John Solano, and he liked it. He put it on his site, and I had got so much backlash on it. I was like, holy shit, I said, never again, man. Yeah, so he has a big uh, listener. I was on his podcast uh, last week. I think. Oh, yeah, nice. I still haven't met the guy. Fuck. Nice guy, nice guy. Seems very like nice. it. Um, very nice meeting you guys. Yeah. You too, Sam. Likewise, bro. I want to I want to have you guys on La Magica when the time comes around. Napoli, Vito, what's your team? Sampdoria. Oh, Sampdoria. Oh, yeah. I did say that, Sam. Is Ranieri yeah. sticking around? No, right? He's gone. Nah, he's gone, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yakini yeah. or Giampaolo could return. One of the two. Yakini. I don't know if that may make, make me excited. I don't I know. Thought I, I thought they wanted the guy from Empoli. He, he's no longer managing there. No, it looks like he's going to go to Sassuolo, Dionisi. Oh, that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's a big jump. Did Italiano renew yeah. with the set here? Where did Italiano he did. go? He renewed yeah, that, right? right? Yeah. yeah. But why is he leaving Empoli? I don't understand. He hasn't really achieved anything, though, other than promoting the team. I, I understand that's a, good, that's a good thing, but, like, wouldn't you want to take the team that you promoted, stay with mm -hmm. them, and see what you can do in the top flight first? Or do you jump ship and just go with Sassuolo? Like I, I've never seen that with a lot of like promotion teams. Normally, the manager who takes the promoted team stays with the team. You know what I mean? So I yeah, find it's that's a huge a little, jump. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But hey, man, teach of their own. If De Francesco could have freaking nine chances, I guess anybody <laughs> can do anything, right? <laughs> you got more work than a house cat, that guy. Oh, man. How, <laughs> Verona's getting relegated, eh? They are fucked. They wow. are royally yeah, fucked. good chance. Yeah. They uh, are you know, I'm, I'm not even going to argue it. Oh, man. Well, man. I'm telling you, I, I think one of the three promoted teams will stay up next year. One of the you, three it usually will. goes like that, right? It, it's usually always. one of the three stays one of the three up. always stays year. up. Yeah, because one of the because it, it even though they they don't have the same budget, say, I think a lot of these teams that that stay up and just manage to stay up, they don't really progress over the year. They just are somehow lucky to stay within the um, the mid table. Like Verona has been able to stay up for what three years now with such a yeah, shit budget. Like, yeah, Jiric is gone, so now you got this idiot coming in. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how Torino plays this year um, under Jiricic. I like him, but I'm still not convinced with Torino, whoever takes over. I just think the team is not good at all. So that will be another interesting case. I think they'll take a step quick, back probably too. Quick question. Well, how do you think Fiorentina uh, is going to do with Gattuso over there now? I, I, th I think I think better with Gattuso. I, it's going to be the best manager they've had in a while. Uh, I'm I'm just to me. I've been tremendously disappointed uh, with their with their you know Italian American ownership because I know there was a lot of excitement when when Rocco Comisto came in and it's been it's been a, a lot of uh, a lot of him pumping his chest and making it sound like he's changing the world and then the results just get worse and worse. So it's been. It's been a disappointment there, I thought. He's, made, he's, he's got some important players. Good bad, players. Oblavich, yeah. He's got some important players on that team. Yeah, absolutely. Good, decent players. And, and, and even when they still had Chiesa, they, they weren't doing anything with him. So it's tough. We'll, 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 we'll wrap it up on that note. Huge thanks to everybody for uh, – you're right, Jerry? I don't know about that team, man. Uh, I don't know about I, that either. I, I'm telling you, I think the relegation <laughs> battle is giving me more intense than the freaking top four. <laughs> I'm telling you, at least ten teams are going to be battling out. No, it's true. It's going to be it's going to be ten teams, ten teams battling for Scudetto, and then the other ten are battling relegation. Fiorentina, the, the problem with Fiorentina, it doesn't matter who they bring in. The management, the sporting director, doesn't have a clear idea what what the project is. They don't know what the what what the steps are. So that that's what I think remains to be seen, and. and of the top seven teams, I think Inter is the biggest question mark of everyone. Like, I just want to know what the heck is going to – if you're going to be played around by PSG to close this episode off, 
you better fucking wake up, man. I wouldn't if I if I had PSG telling me sixty million or nothing, I'd say go fuck yourself. I'll tell you that's it, man. Because that team could be paying way more. Well, Freaking, look, I don't. I don't it, get that it, team, man. It, it, it may go that way, where you know PSG, if they're not willing to spend more than sixty, and I, I have a feeling at the end of the day they'd probably meet somewhere in the middle. Like I think they'd meet closer to seventy. You know, you can kind of finagle bonuses and stuff like that, or maybe throw in a player. Uh, but if that one doesn't get done, then you know there's obviously potential for Lautaro to leave. Uh, I just hope. As an Interista, and I thought you guys have said it well, that there's a lot of uncertainty, and I get that, and I know the reasons why. Um, I hope it's true that they really only need to or want to sell one big player because there's also a lot of dead weight with older, you know, useless players like Vidal and Kolarov making high salaries that you can that you you can move on from and even just cutting the wages is going to supremely help you. So if it really does end up only one important player getting sold, then I see no reason why they can't be very competitive next year. But if it ends up being kind of an avalanche where Hakimi and then also Lotaro and, you know, somebody like Erickson looking to go. So I, I don't know. It's very, very early in the transfer window. In fact, the transfer window hasn't even officially started yet. It's just a lot of, you know, conversations and moves being talked about. So we'll see. We'll see. But huge thanks to our panel. Awesome job by everyone. Vito, Dom, Stam, and of course, Jerry. We will talk to you guys again next week on another episode of the Capture Connection podcast. Ciao.